Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And hello, welcome to this week's episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you today? Not bad for a Monday. Yeah, it is Monday, but we decided to kick the week off right by getting behind the microphones and answering one of the questions that uh, uh, John David Willimon had asked. Actually, I had him on the uh, Oil and Gas on Shore podcast, and he's, a, he's actually a big listener to the flow line as well. And he said when he was mowing his lawn, he actually spent, uh, he, he, he said he spent like two hours rewinding and re-listening to the one on uh, the, uh, the viscosity one. Oh, really? He, he said it was amazing. And so he said as a drilling engineer, you don't really become a, a subject matter expert. You know, you kind of get to know a lot uh, or a little bit about a lot. And he said, you know, drilling fluids is always something that interested him. And so he, uh, he was very complimentary of the flow line. He said that, uh, that that episode was one of the ones that he'd learned the most. So, And then on top of that, he said, you know, one thing I've always wondered as a, as a drilling engineer is I always hear the term dispersed versus non-dispersed muds. And so he'd asked if we could elaborate and, and answer that question for him. So I thought that'd be a good topic for today. Yeah, we'll take a run at it. Cool. Well, before we get going, if you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do us a huge favor to take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated, good or bad. Uh, again, so for the request out there, it was ex- uh, trying to uh, help explain the difference between a dispersed water-based mud and a non-dispersed water-based mud. So, Matt, why don't we go ahead and get started? Uh, how would you define, um, say, say, a low-solids non-dispersed drilling fluid? So, I mean, the most common iteration of this is what we call a spud mud, right? Um, and it, it can be as simple as just bentonite or what we call gel and water, um, we may flock it up a bit with some flocculant um, to actually enhance the viscosity and give it a little bit of body. Um, but uh, really, it's, it's a very basic system that you'd normally find drilling your surface section uh, in most cases. And, and the goal there would be to use a fluid that's fairly benign, both environmentally and um, all in all. And, and the drilling environment's pretty pretty basic as well, get that surface casing down, and then you might go to a more complex fluid. Um, so that would, that would be kind of a, a broad description. I'd say that, you know, the other thing to consider is they tend to be pretty lightweight. Um, they, the whole low solids, non-dispersed, the low solids part, you dilute pretty aggressively. You don't normally get up beyond about nine and a half pounds per gallon. Um, if you have more solids than that, the fluid is just real thick and nasty, um, and it becomes more difficult to drill with. So that's that would be the the broad description of a a low solids non dispersed mud in my experience. Okay, do they primarily? I know through uh, my experience drilling with LSND fluids, uh, a lot of times they have a bit more polymer uh, in you know as um, you know for you for adjusting different properties than you would say uh, a dispersed water based mud. Are you is that something that you've come across? Sure, um, and I would say particularly like a PHPA. Um, something that will actually provide some flocculation is pretty common. It also can help tighten up your fluid loss a little bit along with something like a little bit of pack. Um, so definitely. Okay. Something else I've heard too is 
uh, it can act as, um, because for the, a lot of times it can be shear thinning and it sort of acts, and this is just through reading different papers and mud manuals, is it kind of acts as like a clear water. So sometimes they say that you may get a better bang for your buck with regards to ROP. Is that something you've heard? Um, I mean, it's shear thinning. I guess it depends on what you're comparing it to. Um, you know, when we talked about uh, viscosity in the past, uh, most gel muds tend to follow kind of the like Bingham plastic model. Um, so they do have very high low shear rate viscosity and they are shear thinning. Um, but there are fluids that would I would say are more shear thinning. I gotcha. Um, and so the, the term just non-dispersed, dispersed meaning the the particles within the fluid, right? Like you're not dispersing them in the fluid. You're you're essentially, like you said, even flocculating them and trying to get the solids out and, and to where it's you have a very low solids, essentially, right? Well, so when we talk about a dispersed system, what we are actually trying to do is, for example, when I have a, let's say I flocculate my gel mud, what I have is I have these clays, bentonite, for example, it's hydrated and you've got all these clay platelets and they sort of, as they hydrate, expand and kind of fan out. And then they've got these charge sites uh, and, and what happens when you introduce, for example, calcium is a, lime is a very common flocculant. Um, what ha- happens is you had to have some that uh, calcium actually draws those platelets together, either edge to edge or edge to face, and it makes the fluid thicker. Um, then when we get, for example, we want to go heavier weight, that sort of thing, we introduce something like lignite or lignosulfonate, usually both, um, which is a strongly anionic compound, and it basically causes all those platelets to completely thin out and disperse. Um, and so that's uh, the real key distinction on dispersion is actually making the fluid thin so that, for example, I can carry more bayrite so I can weight up the system, um, that it obviously doesn't run as thick. And, and because I'm dispersing, for example, drilled solids as well, um, it can tolerate a, a much higher amount of drilled solids within. Ah, I gotcha. Is that, is that sort of one of the reasons why with a with a non-dispersed mud you're typically dumping and diluting pretty significantly yes absolutely um the whole low solids part is that these muds just don't tolerate solids very well um and so you need to you need to dilute them the only other option is obviously to to thin them to get them and then you're dispersed yeah yeah so uh with a dispersed mud would you see different rheological profiles i mean how how does it uh, react or what would be the the differences with regards to rheology? Is one a little flatter? Does one run a little different? It, it's going to be more of a Herschel Bulkley type curve, so you're going to see more of kind of the the drop at your your low your low shear rate viscosity. Um, that a lot of times, you know, you put a little bit of xanthan gum in there, and that gives you a a really good profile. Um, and then, of course, you know. It, it, it takes a lot more solids. That's, that's why it gives it that rheological profile. But we can also, because of those thinners, really tighten up the fluid loss and do a few other things that help us out. Makes sense. One thing that I remember running a, a low solids non-dispersed mud was, was kind of the unique profile in which the plastic viscosity was actually lower than the yield point, uh, being because it was such a low solids fluid. I had never seen that and it kind of threw me off guard. But reading into it and talking more with the folks in the office who knew it from a technical standpoint, it made a lot more sense. So uh, something that's kind of unique because in a, in a dispersed mud, you typically see something higher, you know, your plastic viscosities is what it is and your yield point is going to be lower than that. But uh, yeah, something kind of different. Um, 
One other thing too, the differences, the LSNDs or the non-dispersed, they run at a quite a bit, quite of a lower pH, right? Versus the dispersed muds. Typically, I mean, you, the thing is you don't really have to bring the pH up for anything other than if you were concerned about some corrosion or something. Whereas with a dispersed system, those lignite, lignosulfonate materials need a pH of above 10. I like to say 10 and a half. Um, and if, if you don't have that, you, they, those products don't really work very well. So um, generally a much higher pH and, and a need for it. One of the questions that, that comes up uh, often to me um, from you know, different operators and stuff is, you know, when do we need to use a dispersed versus non-dispersed? And what would be some contributing factors to, to make that fluid selection? I mean, a dispersed mud is going to cost more money to run. There's no question. So on the performance side, you know, I, I think it's once you, st- you get past surface, um, you want to drill longer, you want to drill with water-based mud. Um, it, it's really worth thinking about a dispersed system. Now, you know, depending on how reactive the formations are and, and that sort of thing, um, you have to take a look and say, okay, is this, because I'm not really getting a lot of inhibition necessarily. Um, is this going to affect, you know, how I drill through this formation? Um, and then we would go more to those high-performance water-based muds or inhibitive systems. Um, so, you know, most of the time when I've used dispersed systems, it's been, uh, you know, like Austin chalk wells, perfect for it. You need a 13-and-a-half-pound mud. You're drilling, drilling a predominantly carbonate formation. Um, it just kind of makes a lot of sense, especially at, you know, 300 degree bottom hole temperature. Right. Um, it, it holds up well. And, um, you know, you do lose a lot of mud when you drill into a fracture or whatever. So it's water-based, it's cheaper. Um, so I, that always strikes me as a, as a really good application. Gotcha. What, are there any other limitations, uh, of each fluid that other, like one has versus the other? Well, I mean, a non-disper or a disperse, excuse me, a non-disperse system it really is a cheap, basic system, basically, to get surface casing in the ground. Mm-hmm. The only other application where I have used a non-dispersed system was when I was working on geothermal wells in Indonesia. We would drill, we drilled blind, we had no returns. And the whole idea was, the, the wet bottom hole temperature was like 400 degrees. But all you wanted to do is, our, our hole cleaning, our version of hole cleaning was to pump something around the bit that carried cuttings up into some cavern or something else because we knew, you know, that's if we carry the cuttings into the thief zone, we get a hole. And <laughs> right. uh, so our whole thing was having this massive setup to just be able to mix gel and water as fast as we possibly could. Um, you know, that's the only other thing out of drilling drilling top hole that I've I've really used, you know, a, a um, non dispersed system. Um, on the dispersed side, I mean, they're. They're very common offshore in the Gulf of Mexico for intermediate um, sections. Um, you know, very common. Uh, I don't know, j- just about anywhere you want to use water-based mud. I-, I would say where you don't necessarily need the inhibition, and you know, you need a mud, a pretty decent mud weight. Right. Cool. All right. Well, that about sums it up, Matt. Is there anything else? Any key takeaways? Or I mean, it sounds like we touched on most of it. No, I mean, I, I think I'd, I'd really ask for, I, I'd love to poll the audience and ask for, you know, a few war stories or experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know these dispersed systems have been used in a lot of different things. And, 
um, it's kind of interesting to hear, oh, well, we, we got away with this or we were able to pull this off and for yeah. whatever reason it works in this field. Great. Yeah. So I would just ask anybody who's listening, if, if you've got a good story on where you used it and how, you know, how it performed, um, that would be interesting to me. Most definitely. And uh, <clears throat> with that being said, if you have any more questions or any comments, like Matt said, please hit us up at flowlinepodcast at aesfluids.com. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And again, everyone, this is Justin Goche and Matt Offenbacher with the Flowlines. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Flowline. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.